You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hey, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. Okay, so I've got a really special guest here who's going to help you with your life, okay? She's going to help you with work-life balance. If that exists, we're going to explore that. We're going to see if that really is a thing. Is it possible? I want to introduce you to Cheryl Ann um, Skolnicki. She is an entrepreneur. She has a husband and three kiddos, and she knows exactly how it feels to have too much to do and not enough time to do it. It's exhausting. It's stressful, and it can be tempting to give into that chaos, but not Cheryl Ann. She has figured out a way around that, um, and she is a sought-after speaker and uh, hosts a top-rated Brilliant Balance podcast, which we'll talk about. And her work has also been featured in Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, Forbes, Women's Day, and she appears on TV news shows as an expert on the work-life balance, on productivity and purpose. Cheryl Ann, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. That's great. So great. So, okay, let's just do this. Let's dive right in. Is work-life balance a real thing? What are we talking about today? <laughs> right. Well, I think that is definitely going to go down in history as the number one question I get asked on the street at this point in my life. You know, okay. is this some kind of unicorn we're all chasing? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, look, it's an unpopular point of view to say that work-life balance exists, but I fundamentally believe that it does. Mm -hmm. um, what it requires is a bit of um, a fresh look at what is the definition of that term, right? So if a listener is, is out there, you know, driving her car thinking, yeah, look, I have my hands full with my kids and my job and my husband and my household, like work-life balance is a joke, right? What she's really saying is I don't have enough time. I just feel like I can't get the things done that I want to get done, and I don't like how I feel. I feel exhausted. I feel stretched. I feel strained. Um, and this is not how it was supposed to feel. This is not the promise that was made to me when I was in, you know, maybe high school being told, like, you can have it all. You, it's, it is the generation of the woman. Go after it. You know, get the big career. Um, have the family that you want. And like, it's finally time we really can have it all. So I think this is where the story got convoluted, right? We, we somehow heard have it all. And then we went off and tried to do it all. And those, those two things just aren't the same. So when I am talking with women about work-life balance, what I'm really looking for is a sense of peace with the choices that we're making, where our careers are getting the time and energy that we want to devote to them. Like, I love my career. I, you probably do too. A lot of our listeners today probably do. Like, I want to put time and energy into my career. And that our families or the people that we love are getting the time and energy that we want to devote to them. And that we still are taking great care of ourselves, right? So that we can like move through our day feeling um, pulled together, feeling like healthy, you know, feeling not exhausted, that to me, that's the definition that we're going for. So the, the flip is that it's not some sort of static like pie chart where we get all the pieces just right and then we don't try to change anything. It, there's a more dynamic nature to what it really means to be at peace or, or to feel 
fulfilled by the choices that we're making. Yes, I I have to say that is a really good perspective on it to say to be at peace with the choices that we're making because as women, you're right, we're told, well, okay, you can have it all. You're kind of expected to also do it all because we've told you you can have it all. And so enter, you know, uh, perfectionism, enter shame as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like what you're saying about having peace with the decisions that you're making, because um, because if you you don't, then you're just going to be you're going to be anxious. You're going to be worried. You're going to be stressed. You're going to your your internal dialogue is not going to be very positive. You're probably beating yourself up a lot. Right. Sure. Well, and I think that's why, Robin, we have to ask ourselves, like, who's saying we're supposed to do it all? Yeah. I don't ever think that that is. Well, and I think that message was never communicated to me directly. Like I never sat in a class or sat down with my mom where somebody said, and, and Sherilyn, you are going to need to physically personally do every single blessed thing right in your office and at home to keep this life. Like there are some things no one can do for us, right? Nobody's going to go do my workout for me in the morning and like have any kind of impact. Like there's some stuff you have to do on your own, but, but I think if we, stay out of broad brush strokes, right? And we kind of like double click a level and think about within each element of our lives, all the different roles we play. What are the tasks that we need to personally do? And what are the ones we do not need to personally do, right? Maybe they don't need to be done at all, but certainly we don't need to personally do every task that's associated with running a household, being a parent, um, having a job. Okay, and that, that's the breakthrough, is instead of thinking at this macro level, like, well, if I'm going to have a job and be a mom and be a wife, forget it, it's game over. But it's like underneath that are a thousand activities that we've, we can choose to do or not to do that shape how much sleep do we get and how do we really feel at the end of every day. So then what are you saying? Are you saying to sort of delegate or farm out some of these activities that we don't have to personally do? It could be one option. Yeah. I mean, I usually say there's kind of three ways of getting time back for if, if the core problem that you're grappling with is I just don't feel like I have time to get it all done, which is what I hear right all the time. I just have too much to do and not enough time to do it. Then the first question is like, well, what am I doing? What are, where is my actual 24 hour day going? Mm -hmm. Um, and how much of that day am I going to allocate to sleep? Right. For me, that's eight hours. So it's like, that's gone. So I have a 16 hour day that I can decide how am I going to slice and dice it? That's it. When those 16 hours are gone, like they're gone, right? So if you and I mapped out, how did you spend your 16 hours today? And how did I spend mine? They're not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So we already know, like there are choices available to us here about what we do, what we do at all. Like what makes the cut? Maybe you play the piano and I don't, and you sit down every day and play. And that doesn't make my day ever right? That's like an example of the days can be entirely customized to the individual, to what fills us up, what makes us happy, what makes us feel like, you know, our life is on point. Your work tasks will look different than mine, right? You have different children than I do. So that'll look different. So there's like already a framework of there's a lot of customization that can happen here. So some things are just, am I going to, is anybody going to do these things or not in my life? And then there's, am I going to do it myself? So Mm -hmm. am I going to have my kids set the table or am I going to set the table? Is my husband going to fold the laundry or am I going to fold the laundry? 
right? So it doesn't have to be like I'm hiring someone to do it, but just what's the allocation of work on our home team, like the people who live with us, and then also on the team that we work on at work. And then the third thing would be, is there a way to do this more efficiently? Is my perfectionism getting in the way? Am I over-engineering a solution where something is taking more time out of my day or my week than it really has to? And if I can figure out a way to do this more efficiently, then maybe that's another way I can find a deeper sense of balance. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So you have to look at what you're doing. What are the tasks that you're doing that fill your day? Then you're saying, am I going to do it myself? So let's look at my home team. Let's look at my work team. Right. And then um, is there a way to do this more efficiently? So, um, so yeah, so, you know, um, I have to say that, you know, I started doing some different things myself too, like, uh, Instacart, uh, for Costco yeah. as much as I like to, you know, I, and sometimes for me going shopping is, is it's fun. Yeah. Sure. It's fun. Yeah. Sure. But then there are those days where it's like, oh gosh, we gotta go to Costco. Right. Where That's it's right. not like, oh, I get to go, I get to have a break and I get to eat some samples and uh, I get uh-huh. to you know, buy a uh-huh. top while I'm also, you know, shopping for getting the, the roasted chicken, all that right. stuff. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really, I, I, I really agree with you. And also I think that it's important to, um, to look at, do I need to do this? Like, am I doing this because I think I need to like, is it okay to bring store-bought cupcakes to the class instead there you of slaving away, making them myself? Like I proudly bring in the plastic container, you know, that is recyclable, uh, you know, to, to my <laughs> son's class because look, I just can't even, I just can't even. And yeah. I'm okay with that. And I think it's this, there, these decisions are so personal, right? Like yes. one woman's joy is another woman's drudgery. So if somebody mm-hmm. out there loves baking cupcakes and that's her superpower and it's super fun and relaxing mm-hmm. or something she likes to do with the kids, great. And if you don't, also great, right? But this ability to engineer at that level of detail, that is where the freedom is. It's not in the macro. It's not like, well, I'm not gonna be able to work because I can't figure out how to do it all. So I'm just going to lop off a whole limb. It's like, how am I going to engineer within these various elements of my life, right? Whatever ones we choose to have in the mix at that next level of granularity, that's where freedom lies has been my experience. Mm. Well, and I think as women, we also need to recognize that everybody's day is going to look different and we're not invited to judge or criticize, you know, and, and for you to do whatever you're choosing to do not worry about criticism. Look, I'm doing what I'm doing and you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know. As long as you're happy, right? I think we're, we're sometimes it's when we're not happy with Mm -hmm. our own choices, we start inviting, you know, um, the peanut gallery into our head to have an opinion. It's like, so the, the reconciliation is, are you delighted with your life? Do you feel balanced? You know, do you feel rested? As long as you feel great, you have no changes to make. But if you don't, and I think a lot of people listening will say, I don't feel great. Mm. I have not engineered this yet. Then maybe go get some input, get some ideas on, you know, what are other ways of doing this? What are people doing that you think is required? It turns out it's not, mm-hmm. you know, because great freedom can come from that. Well, and comparison is the thief of joy, right? And, you know, comparison, comparing yourself to others is not helping us rise up and find more joy. So let's look at our own lives and figure out what we need to do and change. 
Now, for those who do find that there is a work-life balance, what are they doing to, to achieve this? Yeah. Well, I think it really starts with having an intention around how do I want to feel in my life, right? So we all have a different energy, I guess, like a different sort of demeanor, a way that we really want to feel. And I think that's what we're chasing. And that's the only litmus test of, are we getting there? It's like, do I like how this feels? If I like to go, 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 and that feels really good to me. And someone else likes a more languishing pace, right? And they like to be a little more fluid and that's what feels good to them. We're going to design really differently for what balance looks like, right? I may cram things in more. I may have more of a um, a more hectic pace that just feels natural. And someone else may need to have more breaks, more rest time kind of throughout their day. So that's baseline one is like, how do you actually want to feel? Another thing to think about is like, what really are the things that matter to you right now? Okay. Right. We're all going to say, oh, my work, my family, my husband, like, okay, I get it. At a high level, that is not, it's not helpful. What's helpful is like, it matters to me to be present during homework in this chapter. Right. It matters to me to have, you know, emotional conversations with my teenager right now. Like that's, that's the level of granularity I'm talking about on what are our priorities um, at work, at home, in our relationships, that, that, and for our own self-care so that your time can then get aligned with those things. Because when our time is aligned with the priorities, the things that we really want most, that's when we say we have a sense of balance. So the women who are doing it, who are like, you know, externalizing, like a sense of vibrancy, a sense of like, oh yeah, kind of my life feels pretty good. It's pulled together. That's probably what's going on underneath. Mm. Oh, that's, that's really good. I, and, and what matters right now is what matters right now. It doesn't necessarily matter next month, next year, right? Your kids are growing and changing. So are you. So things can change. And, and, uh, and I think that also can give us hope too, right? That they're, you know, as our kids get older, things can get easier, you know, uh, things change and, and grow. It's, it's been great as my kids have gotten older. You, you've got uh, two teenagers yourself and, and one child who's 10. And, you know, there is some more freedom with when they get a little bit older too, right? So you can get some time back and what matters, you know, to you will change and grow and morph as your family does. And so that's really important. Um, and like you said, to have an intention about how you want to feel. So how do I want to feel? Mm -hmm. And then how do I, how does my life show up around me? to ensure I feel that way. And if it doesn't, then, then what do you do? If it doesn't, if, if you're not feeling the way you intend to feel, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what most people do first, which is they do nothing. Sadly, right. Most people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I'm so, this is, does not feel good. I have no sense of balance. I feel terrible. And then it's like, I pour another glass of wine and I drink more coffee. And like, that is not going to solve the problem. So I'm constantly saying like, ladies, we can do better, right? We can do better, but we've got to stop, like press pause in your life long enough to assess what's not working, right? Why is this irritating? Is it laundry? Laundry is like driving you crazy. And you're like, there's just piles of laundry all the time. And I can never get out from under laundry. Well, when is the last time you really thought about how your laundry system works? Mm. Like how you do laundry? who does the laundry, when they do it, where the laundry baskets are. Like 
there is a system that runs underneath that that could be engineered differently that might give you a totally different outcome, right? That's like a silly example, but I bet there's people this going, oh my God, laundry is my thing, right? <laughs> um, I remember that I just got on this kick of like, I want to remember to take the coupons, the big high value coupons that like Kroger sends me to the grocery store with me. And I could not figure out how to get the coupons to the store. But I was like, you know what goes to the store with me every time? My reusable shopping bags. Because they live in my car. They live in the back of my car. I was like, new idea. When the coupons arrive, they're going in a Ziploc right where those bags are. Never forgotten them again. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like little irritants that you can re-engineer to say, I don't like how this feels. We've had women go through our programs who say like, my God, I'm spending so much time in the car, I'm driving these kids to school. I'm, dri I'm driving them home from school, drive, turning around, driving them back to practices. And at a big level, they might make a change like, I'm going to put my kids in different school. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in a school that requires me to drive 45 minutes each way. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Like this is really decimating our family life. That's a big change. Mm -hmm. Someone else might say, can I get into a carpool and get relief from that a couple of times a week? Could my husband drive some of the time if I'm doing it every day? Like, so there's kind of small, medium, and large solutions to mm -hmm. any of these. But the first step is really like take stock, get really clear about what's not working, what's a constant source of irritation or frustration or exhaustion, and then ask yourself, like, could I do this differently? What, what would have to be true mm -hmm. for me to do this differently? And then, you know, test some things until you find stuff that works. So much of this is like, experimentation, crowdsourcing ideas, mm -hmm. um, but there are almost always other ways. That's a, that's a really great idea. And why not open yourself up to say, hey, you know what? I need to figure out how to do laundry better. Like I, now all I can think about is the basket of towels that are clean and dry in my kitchen that have been sitting there for two days that I haven't folded yet. Uh, true story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Maybe I need some help in that area. Um, that's, yeah, I think that's really great. So really being like, being able to look at yourself in a neutral way, in a non-judgmental way and just say, yes. hey, you know what? The truth is, is that laundry kicks my butt every week. It kicks my butt and I just don't know how to get a handle on it. What can I do? Um, yeah. You know what? I've got a group on um, social media that I can maybe reach out to or, or whatever. Like I, I know, you know, it may be small to you, but it actually creates a lot of stress for me. So can, can I get some ideas? I love that. I love True that. story, Robin. It's actually one of like the top three stressors for <laughs> moms. Like it, it, I mean, it more difficult than like their job is like, I can't because it's relentless, right? It yeah, just feels it like a relentless, ends. never end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Well, I mean, of course I know. I live it too. Yeah. It You're loving it, right? Ends. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Side, side uh, podcast will be uh, laundry solutions laundry. for busy moms. <laughs> every mom is busy. It'll be relevant to every single person. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to change gears a little bit because th this is all really good. And I think whether you work or you don't work, whether you're at home with your kids, whatever, like, look, there are ways that we can create more space for more joy, um, to really feel the way we want to feel. And I love that we're talking about this. I love that so much. And, and so, so there's this word that comes up a lot that, um, I want to talk about, and that is the definition of success, right? 
And there is this sort of cultural narrative about what success is, like being a successful mom, being a successful entrepreneur, being a successful business person, woman, man, you know, whatever it is. Can we talk about how maybe that doesn't serve us in today's day and age? Mm -hmm. Or does it? Yeah. Well, I think, I'm not sure what your definition of the cultural narrative is. Mine would be that you know, we were kind of raised on the message that you were going to do it all, you know, in order to get ahead and you were going to look good doing it. Like, I think that's kind of the picture that gets painted for women. I think of working at that movie, working nine to five, you know, that Jane Fonda movie, working nine to five, she had it all right. Anyway, sorry. Yes. It will. We all like, I mean, I grew up, you know, I was born in 75. I grew up through the eighties and nineties. Like that's my, where my kind of like media influences are. And I think the stories we were shown, I was, I was at a conference one time talking about like Meredith Baxter Burney on family ties was like this iconic working woman or like Murphy Brown. And, and I think what we saw was, um, we didn't see the whole picture is the bottom line. Like we saw yeah. kind of the, hi- almost like what we see on Instagram today. We saw the highlight reel. Yeah you know, crafted into episodes where you just didn't. And if we saw any of the difficulty, it was through the lens of humor. And so that's, that's not necessarily like a teaching mechanism for us to learn. How are we supposed to do this? So that, that narrative of success was like, do all the things, right? Climb the ladder, every ladder somebody puts in front of you. Like, so you want bigger house, better car, you know, better clothes, better, whatever, like this kind of bigger and better, and then look good doing it. And that's twofold. That's externally, like be beautiful, um, be thin, but also like never let them see a sweat, mm-hmm. right? Like no vulnerability, armor up, get out there and like, make sure that you look like you have yourself together all the time. That's the narrative I think is not working. I think if you ask women who have done those things, do they feel fulfilled? the answer is too often no, right? Mm-hmm. Too often those women who, ha- who externally have all the things are saying, this doesn't feel very good. This, is, this doesn't feel the way I thought it was going to feel, okay? So what we've learned through my work with women is there's really three different things that they want. And, and it's, it's pretty simple. It's I wanna make a contribution, you know, whether I'm doing that through a career, my family, my community, some combination of those things, I want my work to matter, you know, and they really want strong connections. Like I want to feel seen and heard and understood, like my relationships matter. And I want to be able to have a sense of control over my choices. I want to be able to curate my life, right? To put things in and take things out in a way that feels exactly right for me and gives me room to breathe. Mm. And when you talk to a woman who's done those three things, right? Where she's making a contribution, she's got strong connections and she feels a sense of control over choices. That is a woman who feels successful. Mm. So that it's kind of the new narrative, if you will, that I would love to see us pursuing because it works. 
Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's so true. And honestly, that's why I left my marketing career um, to, to do what I'm doing now because I needed to have more control over my life, right? I needed to have control over my choices, my schedule, what I did. And, and just like you said, I wanted to do work that matters, that helps people. I want to contribute. And you're so right about those strong connections to be seen, heard, to be understood, to be validated. I mean, that is absolutely true. That is so true. I, I, I am your, uh, I'm definitely who you're talking about. Uh, so I really mm -hmm. resonate with that. Uh, here's the thing though, where I come in is I work with all of these amazing, beautiful, wonderful, um, successful women, parents, not just moms. I work with a lot of dads too, and, and, and moms and dads awesome. together, which is fantastic. Um, and they are, successful, right? So I'm using air quotes, uh, successful in that, you know, they, they have a, a wonderful job and career, you know, they have a good marriage. And when it comes to parenting, that's what's kicking their butt. That's where their struggles are. Because just like where, you know, there is this sort of message, you've got to do it all. Well, that includes having kids. But what we don't know is what comes with having kids is questioning ourselves. We can lose our, our self-confidence because, you know, we don't get the kids that we want. We get the kids that we need. And that could mean you have a child with special needs and you add that into the mix, right? This whole piece of parenting that we just sort of throw into the mix of things that need to be done in and of itself Sure. can create waves um, that affect your, 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 the way you show up at work, that affect sure. the way you show up in your relationships, in, in, in your marriage, uh, in your partner, or with your partner. So, um, so I mean, that's, that's what I do. And I, and I, so, I so relate to, 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 to that dynamic because I was there too. Mm -hmm. I was winning at work. You know, I loved my job. I loved the people. I loved the work, all that stuff. But my family was falling apart. And I actually felt like I got more validation and felt more successful at work than I did at home. Um, and that's when, for me, things had to change, right? So, I mean, um, you know, that, that I think is an important piece to talk about is just that, you know, when you bring kids into the mix, it can, it can really affect things on multi-levels, you know? Oh, I mean, there is no question. I think our data would say the, the addition of children is the single biggest inflection point around balance, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, I always describe it as you lose your overflow capacity. So the other things in your life that you already liked and enjoyed and were giving time and attention to, like there's no more overflow capacity for those. You've created this huge new gaping, you know, sucking need of like, like just everything, like physical it's parenting going and yeah, like emotional, like I, you said earlier, it gets easier. Like, I don't know. I, I think that the physical side of things gets easier, but the emotional side ramps up mm -hmm. just as the physical side comes down and like, that the, the guidance counseling, you know, that we're doing as parents of tweens and teens to me is like heavy lifting it's, and it's time consuming. Um, and I love it, but it is like, I am allocating time in different ways because that's not planned. That's not like, yeah. oh, well, I'm going to give a bath at this time and I'm going to put them to bed at this time. It's like when it's happening, whenever in the day that is, you, you get on a, you're on call, you know, it's like being an ER doctor. My team has a crisis. I just got to drop what I'm doing and just be there. Right. Is what you're saying. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. I think that like 
But there's no question that when we think about work-life balance or how we structure the pieces of our life so that we feel that deep sense of fulfillment, that the, the children sit at the epicenter of it and, and they should, right? So it's, we can't um, diminish that or chop that off or try to like make that smaller. But again, I'm going to tell us the freedom comes in the granular. No, we are not going to say like, we're not doing anything with children, but those same children that require emotional heavy lifting can fold laundry. You know, and they can put it away and they can clear the table. And so there's like, there's a bit of just constantly rearranging Mm -hmm. the, the, the cards were dealt, right? Like, oh, here's my cards this month or this six months or this year. And like, what have they learned how to do that I might've not realized? Mm -hmm. And what have they, what am I not asking them to do that? It's totally realist. I'm always saying to my kids, like, this isn't my house. You know, you don't live in my, we, this is our house. This house is run as systems that all the people who live there have mm-hmm. a role to play in, mm-hmm. you know, creating the work and doing the work. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, but I think a lot of us get into that headspace of, well, it's my responsibility. They're, they're so busy. They have homework, they have activities they have. And then that's, we're just creating an even bigger burden. Um, I promise you, our grandmothers were not doing everything. Like those kids were definitely doing dishes and, you know, like doing tasks around the house. So we probably could lean into that. I I was too. I was making dinner. You and I were born the same year. So yeah, uh, definitely making dinner, doing all the things. Cleaning the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think there is, there's a bit of that slippage that we need to be careful about in this generation of parents where we feel compelled in many cases to do everything for them. And I, I think we're robbing them of the chance to learn how, yeah. you know, how households run and what it takes, because they're going to have to go engineer that, you know, as they um, become adults. Yeah, I, I think I think they all affect each other. Like, I think that sometimes we just don't ask for the help because we haven't taken the time to explain it to them, to teach them, to show them. And it's just like, it's just easier if I just do it, you know, <laughs> right. um, the first time. Yeah, the first time, but that creates overwhelm, right? And so you do have to invest some time in working with your kids and, you know, showing them and all that stuff, but it pays dividends, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and the, you know, you, you do have to invest time in what is the standard that we're trying to reach here? How do I train you just like you would with an employee? How do I train you and how to do it? But once they understand the standard and they know how to do it, it's like, again, freedom on the other side of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what are some like just really simple things that women can do every day just to really help them feel better, feel, and, and by better, you know, feel more, I guess, more balanced, more joyful, more in control. I think, I think a lot of people feel out of control. Yeah. Well, you know, it, this is such important territory. So but I'll give you a couple of things, but I also think like, let's just talk about what it means to feel in control. That yeah. the notion of, um, if you think about victim mentality versus a sense of agency, personal agency over your life, the happiest people are people who feel a sense of control over their life and their outcomes. And the truth is we all actually have it. Like we all actually have a lot of control over how we spend our time, but we have stories that we tell ourselves that make it feel like we don't, okay? 
So I think you have to start there and you very naturally did. It's like, we want to feel a sense of control, but maybe it's just remembering that we have it mm. and then exercising that control in a way that gets us the outcome we want. So for most people, you know, if they want to feel better, the first thing I talk about is sleep. It, it's just inescapable. Um, I regularly will survey women like we do an energy challenge and I'll say, how much sleep are we getting? And it's like five to six hours is kind of the norm that you hear from most people. So if you have, if you listen to your listeners out there and we could hear them back, that's what you're going to hear. So if you're beating that great, right? Our goal is seven to eight. And some people will even try to tell you like, oh, I just don't need a lot of sleep. I only need five. I'm great on five. And I'm usually like, if you're great on five, get eight and let's see what you can do. <laughs> like you're going to be amazed at what you're, you know, because everything functions better. Our, yeah. our willpower is higher. Our motivation is higher. Our decision-making is faster. Our focus is more clear. So that requires that you take, you know, you kind of trim some fat out of the day to be able to give those hours to sleep. But if you can regularly devote seven to eight hours of sleep, you're going to feel better, period. Like full stop, even if you did nothing else, I said. And then, you know, we talk in Brilliant Balance about um, what we call power practices or foundational balance practices. These are like, what is unique to you? Like, Robin, what is something that you know? when you do it regularly, when you protect time and energy, that you're just a better Robin. Hmm. I'd sleep because I, I, I would say, yeah, I would say getting out and going for walks with my going dog for walks. and my husband. Yeah. So you're like, when I do that, everything kind of works better in my life. Right. And is that something that you do every day? I try to. Okay. So that's a great example of like, lock it in, call it a foundational balance practice, honor it unapologetically, do it every single day. If the truth is you're like, well, I do it three days a week. Then it's like, can you get it up to where you're doing it five, six or seven? Because the more often you do something that's that core to making you feel good. I get answers to this question, anything from prayer time, devotionals, time by myself, time with a friend, you know, um, time outside, um, you know, I love to swim. I love to play the piano. I love to go spinning, whatever it is. Like they're very unique to the individual, but if we're honest with ourselves, we can usually identify like, this is something that when I do it regularly, ideally every day, right. I'm a better me. So that's the, those practices kind of form the foundation for us to do anything else. Well, and that really is why we start there and start with the physical because your physical energy dictates everything else. And then you go to the mental and the emotional arenas. Um, and there are typically practices that help there as well or cross pollinate. Um, and that's where it all starts. That's how we start to feel better. It's exercising those choices. Yeah. And really taking care of yourself is also number one for managing your anger, your frustration and your stress, especially with your family, right? Sure. When you have a longer wick to the stick of dynamite that, you know, we can be some days, um, it really does. It really does help. So I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I, I advocate for us not feeling guilty about having um, going for a walk or going to the gym or having prayer time, meditating, um, lying down and having a nap. I mean, if I'm really being honest, that's what I love to do. I love to have a nap. <laughs> You know and like, so, you know, that's a practice for you. And it's yeah. either because you're shortchanging sleep at night or because you just require like a reboot, right? Which is yes. great to know about yourself. 
That's it. Yeah, that's totally it. And, uh, and where I can, I do. Um, and it's great. Yeah. It's just a little reboot and it, yeah. And it, and I, and I enjoy it. So, and I do it now. I do it more unapologetically because my kids are older. And I guess that's what I mean by it being easier when they're older is that there is a little bit more time for me to get stuff back. And especially with COVID right now, there's no activities. So there is a little bit more time, which I, I, I definitely appreciate. So, um, so I think that is really, really important. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, so sleep, you start with the physical and then a mental and emotional, you know, mindset is so important, right? Mindset mm-hmm. is really important. Do you have any, any quick suggestions before we end here on, on how to get your mindset into a, into a good place? Yeah, it's a great question. And we talk a lot about mindset on my podcast and in our programs. I think the reason is it's like, it's like an energy valve, right? If, if you're doing all the physical stuff well, but you have a really strong inner critic or the stories you're telling yourself are defeating stories, then it's like opening up a valve and just letting all that energy you've created drain right out your toes, right? Mm-hmm. The same way that if you have a broken relationship that you're stressing you out, like you're, that's just an energy drain. So the mindset work is so critical because it's what allows us to move fluidly through the day, right? Where we feel good as we're, as we're doing, going on about doing what we do. Probably the biggest one in my audience, and I suspect it will resonate here with parents is kind of doing it all versus doing it well is a mindset pattern that we talk about. So many of us were taught to do it all, right? And we actually think we're going to do both, like do it all and do it perfectly. But that notion look of good like, doing it, <laughs> right? Of, of knowing like, where, where is it enough? Like, how do we define enough and say, I'm going to do fewer things. I'm going to do them well, because I really enjoy them. And I'm going to do them with like a smile on my face right? I get to do these things, not I'm in some sort of drudgery, you know, like um, endurance battle with myself on how many things can I pack in, never feeling good about how well they're getting done and never feeling like I have any breathing room to like appreciate them, you know, in between. So that, that curation, that ability to make choices and say, I'm going to do fewer things, but I'm going to do them with excellence and I'm, and, and I'm going to do them with joy. Like, I'm really going to enjoy those things that I'm doing. For me, like, I love to cook. So making dinner for my family every night is like a moment of pleasure. And sitting them down around that table and having a conversation is the only time all day, typically, that we are all doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. And it's sacred to me, but it's not sacred to everybody, right? Some people hate to cook. And so that should not be something that they're trying to cram into their day when there's so many other options available for how to feed your family, right? Mm -hmm. But if I had a dollar for every woman who was like, oh, I just have to get better at meal planning and cooking. And I've got to be, I'm like, actually you don't. Like there's, we live in 2020. There are a million options for how you can put food on the table that don't require you doing something every day that drains you, right? Mm -hmm. Do the stuff that makes you happy. That's like- Does that make sense? Like, yes, you have to feed your kids, but you probably don't have to like plan out some big elaborate meal structure to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. Uh, And in fact, I think even just that example creates a lot of stress and shame for a lot of women who, um, you know, who think that there has to be this meal and the family all has to sit around the table together. And sometimes that is hell on earth for some families because they That's just right. can't 
all sit together. And I talk about this really openly too. And I say, you know what, look, it doesn't work for us to sit at our table during mealtimes. We, we used to, uh, we have a dynamic in our family that is unique to us where it doesn't work for us. We all sit together on the island instead, right? Um, or sometimes our kids will eat at a different time than us, but that's not the only moment of connection that we have throughout the day. So I don't right. have to put it all in that one place. And, and it doesn't mean that my family is less than or yours is less than we don't play games because we can't i have a child with ocd so there's a lot of things that are just just too hard like he cannot yep. play a game without needing to win and it's like nope we're not gonna do that it sucks it's not fun i'm sad that we don't do it but i'd rather not do it and have a better relationship you know it's oh yeah you know, yeah. And, totally. and if, if I was to just run my agenda and say, nope, we have to sit together as a family, we have to play games together uh, in, in, in this sort of traditional way, I, I would drive everybody crazy. And they would everyone be would be miserable. Everybody right. would be miserable. And right. I don't need to do that. It's okay. You can, you can um, create the family that you want based on what works for you. No judgment, yeah. no shame. Do what works for you. Yeah, it really, it comes back to the point we were making earlier of how do you really want to feel, yeah. right? If you want to feel connected and peaceful with your family, then a game is not going to deliver it, you know? And so, but it's chasing that feeling of connected and peaceful and then optimizing what, how am I gonna, what am I going to do to get that feeling, to elicit that feeling for the people who are in my household? And yeah. someone else listening, their family may need an entirely different set of activities to create that same feeling. So that, yeah. it, we're, that's why it's so, there's no like cookie cutter, do yeah. it this way approach that's going to make any sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and just like you said, you know what, for, for some families, playing a family game is exactly what they need for connection. Right. For us, not right. so much. And that's okay. And I love that we're sort of ending right where we started with how do you just, how do you want to feel and then go after that. So um, I think this is really great. And you have, so, so for people to find, to find you, Cheryl Ann, uh, it's brilliant-balance.com. That's your website. But yeah. You have a fantastic podcast that you, you speak to some really great guests. You have some really good information yourself. So it's brilliant balance podcast, pretty simple, brilliant balance podcast. So um, you've been, and you've been doing it for quite some time, um, longer than I have, uh, three years you said. Um, and yeah. so you've got a lot of content then, um, on with your podcast. So, you know, I want to thank you for giving us the permission to, to sort of take what we have been, you know, the status, the, the, the sort of the norms that we think that we have to work towards and just say, no, you know what, what do you want to feel? How do you, how do you want your life to be? Cause that's all that matters, right? Not the peanut gallery. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Kick them out. Yes, they are. They do not belong. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all of this really valuable information. And I hope that, uh, that our listeners will check out brilliant balance. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.